The views and opinions expressed in the following episodes are those of the individuals and are not meant to insult or offend anyone. Jeez, dark and gloomy much? Are you trying to be an edgelord? Well, then how should I put it then? I don't know. How about... We come in peace. We mean no harm. We may spoil some things. We may swear a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So listener discretion is advised. Hello everyone, Michelle here. And Owen as well. We wanted to take a minute to talk to you about our favorite podcast, Dark Veil. Yes. Each Monday, John and Tori lift the veil on some of the darker sides of life. From urban legends to spontaneous human combustion. Ooh, don't forget abducted in plain sight and the Mandela effect. Yes, dear. And so much more. If you're into learning about these and more, then tune in every Monday to... Podcast Podcast and and Chill! Welcome to another episode of Little Nerdy. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm her co-host, Owen. And today our episode is about Hamilton, an American musical. Nice. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, so we both kind of watched this at the same time, so I guess this is a special episode where we're both kind of the big nerd. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so before we get started, give a shout out to our friend Black White Check for doing all of our original music. You can find her details in our show notes for all the intro and outro and more music that she's created. Absolutely. Hey. Yeah. I had a question for you. What's that? How does a bastard orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman, dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence impoverished in squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar? The ten dollar founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a lot smarter, by being a self-starter. By fourteen they placed him in charge of a trading charter. And every day while slaves were being slaughtered and carted away across the waves, he struggled and kept his guard up. Inside he was longing for something to be a part of. The brother was ready to beg, steal, borrow, or barter. Then a hurricane came and devastation reigned. A man saw his future drip, dripping down the drain. Put a pencil to his temple, connected it to his brain. And he wrote his first refrain, a testament to his pain. Well, the world got around. They said, this kid is insane. Man took up a collection just to send him to the mainland. Get your education, don't forget from whence you came. And the world's gonna know your name. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And there's a million things I haven't done. But just you wait. Just you wait. So, what would you think of my question? <laughs> <clears throat> well, it's really quite uh, the incredible story of going from, you know, uh, being given, I think, the worst possible hand or, you know, the throw of the dice or whatever you want to phrase it mm-hmm. uh, in life. 
and kind of being like, okay, well, can't rely on mom and dad's money or anything. Like, some people in the story of the mu musical, like, some people had privilege, some people had, uh, you know, something kind of going for him. Are you talking he about Aaron Burr? Yes, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like, there's some characters in the story where it's kind of like, oh, you know, like, uh, that old saying, like, uh, some are born great and some have greatness thrust upon them. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a case of he definitely achieved greatness through a lot of hard work and being or sticking to his guns. Yeah. So, to give a little bit of background, first off, that was like the first, like, minute and a half-ish of the opening number to Hamilton. And sorry if your guys' ears are bleeding. But we don't have... Like, Disney put this out, so Disney's really good at, like, suing people, and we didn't want to get sued, so we were like, ah, we'll just perform it, so sorry about that. We did a little uh, karaoke version, and I am known in the musical community as what is referred to as tone frickin' deaf. Well, you did good. Oh, thanks, babe. Uh, it was mostly rapping, but... You, we did okay. Yeah, but uh, like when you hear the actual musical, and especially with all <laughs> yeah, the, because we're just two people, and I think there was like what six or seven people that came on and sang in this. Yeah, well, it was yeah, pretty much all your main characters, and then there was the whole company as well singing certain parts of it. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's really good. So basically, the person who wrote this play was Lin Manuel Miranda. Or, yeah. And at first I was a little kind of off-thrown by it, because when we found out that he wrote the music and wrote the script and everything for this, yeah. but he also placed himself as Hamilton, Yeah. I was kind of thinking, eh, you know, it was like, is that that whole, like, oh, well, you know, like, was he a little egotistical or something? But also he wrote the music for that uh, Disney movie, Moana. Yeah, and so I know... So I had some pretty good hopes for it. You had good hopes, but I know, like, I know also there was a little bit of trepidation just because, like, the Disney music for Moana is very good and it fits the movie perfectly, right? For sure, but... How many times have you heard me trying to uh, rap the Maui song, the whole... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I killed a eel and I buried its guts. Uh, sprouted a tree. Now you got coconuts. Yeah. What's the lesson? What's the takeaway? Don't mess with Maui when he's on a breakaway. Exactly. I mean, Dwayne the Rock Johnson rapped in that really hard, and I thought, man, that is so cool. Like. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the great things that about Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Is that, like, there are points in this this musical, because it's mostly rap. Yeah. If they were to take it down. And, like, do it just more... slow, even slow things down a bit, like, for some of the singing, like, some of the rapping. Mm hmm It would be, like, a six-hour show. Yes. And it already would. it's, like, a three-hour. Uh, pretty close to that. Yeah, and stuff. So, um, but, so what happened was, this wasn't, like, anything that, he, uh, I'm just gonna call him Lynn. Yeah. This wasn't anything that Lynn was really planning on doing. He read a book called Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. And as he was reading this book, he was like picturing this in his head. And he was like, huh, I'm going to make an album. It wasn't even going to be a play. It was just going to be an album, right? Yeah. And uh, he had the concept for the first song and he went to this White House event. Yeah, it was like a dinner type thing. and Yeah. 
uh, for artists and stuff like that, right? Yep. And he actually performed the first song for the Obamas. Yep. The 44th president and uh, a lot of the people there actually quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Even and though it was one person singing pretty much the same parts that we did, and he went a lot further because the song that he sang was about four minutes long. Yeah. We just kind of did the first little bit because that's the introduction to Alexander Hamilton. and Well, the whole song is, but yeah, we just did like the first little introduction so you kind of get an idea of like a little bit of his childhood and stuff, right? But yeah, so that was really, that was really awesome and they really liked it and then somehow like it just happened to fall into place that it became a play and I'm so glad it did because it... I'm big into musicals. I know you aren't as big into musicals as I am. Uh, it depends on the plot and everything. Like, um, some musicals, yeah, some musicals, um, yeah, it just doesn't really captivate me, you know? Yeah. So, I think it's more your, like, you enjoy them more in general, but of course this musical is also to do with, uh, American history, and yeah. especially during the, uh, re uh, Revolutionary War to earn their independence. Yeah. And, yeah, it was quite interesting to kind of hear how there's another perspective on the war and how everybody was kind of viewing things. And even just a lot of the subtleties, like when you watch it, mm -hmm. the whole breakdown of what they were up against. Because, I mean, England, especially back in those days, yeah, like there's an old saying that the sun never set on the British Empire. Mm-hmm. And that's because, like, they were the world superpower at the time. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, so, of course, like, a lot of people are thinking, you're going up against England? Yeah. You want, you want to fight against them? You know they've got lots of battleships. They've got the military power to crush you guys without trying. Yeah. But being, because they had people like George Washington, they had Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr, all those, like... They had Lafayette. Lafayette, yep. Yeah, that was an important French commander who came and helped them. Yep. Like there's um, Hercules they, Mulligan. He yep. was a spy. The traitor. <laughs> no, he I, was a spy. Oh yeah, you're British. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, yeah, my heritage is uh, English and everything. But of course, uh, it's not like I'm any uh, have any huge loyalty to a monarchy or anything. It's just more <laughs> of like, oh hey, you know we're we're Canadian citizens, and also I'm English heritage. So of course, there's kind of that. Um, you know, oh, hey, the importance of what the British did, and ooh, some history's kind of like, oh, yeah, we uh, did some horrible things in history. Yeah, I think every country did some horrible things in history. Um, yeah, just, I guess, when you're kind of, when a country's a superpower and has a lot of influence around the globe, they kind of, you know, their mistakes and, you know, horrible atrocities kind of get more pointed out. Yeah, uh, that's true. But they also had John Lawrence. And he helped them fight as well. So there were... And those are, like, some of the main characters that are in the cast as well. Um, one of the interesting things about this play as well is that they have some characters playing dual characters. Yeah, so the guy that plays Lafayette also... Uh, David... Uh, yeah, David uh, something. He also... Uh, David Digg, sorry. Yeah, he also ends up becoming... Um, so he's... Thomas he, Jefferson. Yeah, he plays the Marquis uh, de Lafayette but they just call him Lafayette in the play. And also Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Um, the guy that plays John Lawrence, um, Anthony Ramos, he plays John Lawrence, but he also, in like the kind of second half of the play, plays um, 
Philip uh, Hamilton, Alexander and Eliza's son. Yeah, and I thought at first that uh, that was their only son, but of course uh, we did a little history research and found out that Alexander and uh, Eliza, oh, yeah. they had, uh, what was it, several kids? I, I believe it was eight in total. Yeah, so... And they even did something weird where they named like one of their younger children the same as one of their older children. Which we won't spoil. We won't spoil anything because we really want you guys to like watch this. We think it's definitely worth a watch, so we're gonna try not to spoil very much because. I mean, obviously, this is all history and stuff. So, of course, you know, uh, be it documentaries or books or yeah, something else. Like, there's plenty of ways to do research on it to see how accurate this is. And I gotta say, all in all, it's fairly accurate. Yeah, they actually had Ron uh, Chernow on as like a. For the historical accuracy of it. Yep. And I think I watched the documentary. I don't think you were here when I was watching it. You may have been at work. But I was watching something and, like, there are some things, like, in one of the numbers, he says something about, like, Alexander Hamilton says something about punching a bursar. That never happened. Yeah. Right? And but stuff. It just, but it it, it rhymed. It, it, it worked for the show. And so there were, I mean, like, with any historical... Adaptations. Yeah, and stuff. There was liberties taken, but for the most part, they stayed very true to the actual history of it. Um, and also, the third character that is playing... Um, or Sorry, there's four in total that play dual roles. The third was... Um, his name is very hard to pronounce in um, uh, interviews. I've heard him just called Oak. So we'll refer to him as Oak, because I think that's what he prefers to go by. Yeah, just because I think there's so many people um, uh, muddle it up. Yeah, and I don't want to muddle it up. It's it's a very, like, it's a, it looks like it's a very pretty name, but I'm just going to call him Oak. Uh, he plays Hercules Mulligan, and yep. then he also plays uh, James Madison. And, yeah, then there was also Jasmine Seferis-Jones, who played Peggy Schuyler. And then she also played Mariah, hmm, what was her last name? Do you remember Mariah's last name? Um, not off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, there, so yeah, that's kind of like, uh, a lot of the main... Reynolds. People. Oh yes, Reynolds. Mariah yeah. Reynolds, I knew it would come to me. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people might not know, uh, that name in particular and everything, and, uh, yeah, when you kind of watch it, uh, that was definitely very true to history and stuff. But it, it kind of goes to show that despite uh, people talking about being old-fashioned or traditional and everything, people back then made mistakes. And, you yes. know, it's like that whole people like to picture uh, the men being very sophisticated and, uh, you know... Um, kind of like uh, they're classier. In a way, mm. if that's the best way to describe it. But, you know, they were thinking with the wrong brain sometimes back in those days, too. So um, Not only that, but, I mean, like, there was just, there was lots of dueling going on back then. There was, you know, um, politics but, was the same back then than it was now, really. Like, you had... Yeah, if anything, it was pretty, like, it was messy back then, but... You know, not to get too much into politics nowadays, but let's just say um, someone's possible presidency was considered forfeit when uh, an affair had been discovered. 
Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, this this guy laid in the bed with... Um, Are you another- talking about Bill Clinton? Well, I'm talking about uh, other presidents and prime ministers and other world leaders. Like, it's like the whole, they do something, you know, in the heat of the passion or, you know, something stupid like that. And then nowadays, it's a huge scandal. Back then... It was like, all right, well, are we going to trust a guy who can't be faithful to his wife, yet alone uh, how he's going to be faithful to his country? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot, there was actually like that whole, like, it, like I'm saying, like there's some differences, like, in, like when you see how things have played out, like history has an interesting way of, uh, you know, changing from time to time, mm-hmm. like with that whole one view of politics versus another. The thing I thought that was kind of interesting was that <clears throat> back in those days, the two people running for president, the first, the person who wins becomes president. The person who loses became the vice president. Yeah. But then... Uh, that ended up changing at some point in history. Maybe, maybe even with Jefferson. I'm not 100% sure if it was with him, but I do know that it did change because now, obviously, like you have your candidate and then they pick someone to be their running mate and that becomes the president, right? Yeah. Or a vice president, I mean. Yeah, because it wasn't like uh, Obama and McCain when, like, that was the first running for Obama's presidency. McCain did not become the vice president. He had Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like uh, yeah. George W. Bush. And, yeah, like, I'm not going to get too much into politics. I'm just saying it goes to show it's like how different things are now from back then. Yeah. And stuff. But, yeah, so... Essentially, Alexander Hamilton grew up in the Caribbean, right? Um, so he comes to the new land. Mm-hmm. Comes to the new world. Um, and he's considered an immigrant, right? Because he's not from England and stuff, right? Yeah, even though he was Caucasian. Yeah, and stuff, um... But yeah, he was considered an immigrant. And so it's a very interesting story to see how this guy essentially writes himself into the place he wants to be. He was a very good writer, and he wrote many things. Um, He also opened the first, uh, like, national bank in the U.S., right? Yeah, yeah. And stuff. He helped, obviously, fight in the revolution alongside... He was, like, um, George Washington's right-hand man. Yeah. Um, and it's just... It's a, it's interesting because history just kind of forgot about him. Yeah. Right? I'd, I'd heard the name in passing when they were talking about the founding fathers of the U.S., but, like... He wasn't as big as Jefferson or George Washington. Or John Adams or anything. Like, we learned more about those people. Yeah. In, and, I mean, we're in Canada, so maybe in the U.S. It's a bit different. It's a bit different. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but in Canada, we kind of just learned about the, the major, major players. But it turns out he was a major player. And he just never achieved the major chair of presidency. Which yeah. Which kind of think made, like... Uh, shadowed him a little bit. Like, di- he didn't really get uh, the spotlight. Yeah, her. he had a huge scandal, and once that happened, um, I think that really put a damper on him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And his ability to, like, go forward and whatever and stuff. I also think, I mean, he didn't live as long as some other of the founding fathers, so... I mean, he did live 
relatively long uh, for the time. Oh, no. What? You're... After he died, his wife lived like another 50 years. She was like 90-something when she died. Yeah, but you also gotta remember that uh, women's lifespans are on average longer than men. By like two or three years, not 50? I'm he just... was quite young. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, his death was uh, quite instant and tragic, but... Um, to more focus on his life rather than his death, there's actually another part that was a bit of a liberty. The fact that his wife, uh, Elijah um, Skyler, Skyler uh, she had two sisters, and the one that's mostly other talked about in this play, or the musical, is um, Angelica. Je Angelica. And it's only speculated, nobody knows for sure, but... People think, uh, you know, it's like maybe they had a, just a professional work relationship or maybe they actually had some kind of romantic uh, side type relationship. Uh, in the movie, clearly, or in the musical, they kind of get a little, like, they make it sound like uh, Hamilton was quite the playboy. Yeah, which he actually really wasn't. No. But historians do argue. There's a couple things that they actually do argue over. They argue over the fact of whether or not him and Angelica did have, like, a romantic relationship, but most think that it was just more of, a, like, a brother-sister kind of relationship. Yeah. <clears throat> um, also, historians argue over whether or not he and Jan John uh, Lawrence actually had a romantic relationship, or whether or not they were just really, really close friends. Yeah. Now, I've never fought in a war, and God hoping I never have to. Like, I don't ever want to see another war. Yeah. Um... I think that would bring a lot of camaraderie and a lot of, like, closeness to the guys that you fought with. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, you know, it's hard to say. And if he, I mean, if they were romantic, then good on him. Yeah. Right. And stuff, no judgment from us, that's for sure. But. Back in those days. The problem with, and it's one of the things that, like, is cool about history, but. It, things are open to interpretation, right? So it's hard to say, and stuff. Um, Especially when it's all written history. There's no video or photographic yeah. proof of a lot of this stuff. So, but yeah, we absolutely loved it. So it starts off, the play essentially starts off talking about Alexander Ham Hamilton and how he grew up, right? The is, things that could have derailed him and, you know, really stopped him in his uh, life goals. Yeah, and it was actually... Um, in this town he was living in, in the Caribbean, they actually, like, well, we said it in the song, I believe, even, that they collected money and sent him to the mainland, right? Yeah. And stuff, because he was such a good writer and whatnot that they were like, oh, you could probably go there and be a good lawyer or something, right, is what the community was thinking. So they actually raised the funds because he was so poor yeah. to send him to the mainland. And he... He came to the mainland when he was, like, 19. Now, I think most, from what I've read, most people think he was 19. However, it's possible he didn't know or lied about the year he was born. Yeah. And so there are some things that say he was, like, 17, I think. Mm -hmm. But most people think he was 19 when he came to the mainland. Right. Yeah. And stuff. And so he does what anybody would do, which is go to school, right? Yeah. So he goes to school, 
and gets an education. Um, and he ends up meeting Aaron, Aaron Burr. Burr and stuff. Um, and then they get involved with the revolution. Yeah, and that's where the story really starts to get really interesting because um, when they kind of start talking about people who are against the war, people who are for the revolution, you know, like, obviously there's a lot of people who don't want to get involved in fights, especially not with a superpower like England, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where the music kind of takes a subtle change, and it goes from being, like, more of a hip-hop, R&B kind of thing, like, feel with a lot of the music, um, to more of a English, uh, British Invasion, which, uh, more oh. like the, when the Beatles were big. Yeah, so the King's response is, is what you're talking about, to yeah. the revolution. And his, the King's response went a little like this to the revolution. You say the price of my love's not a price that you're willing to pay. You cry in your tea which you hurl in the sea when you see me go by. Why so sad? Remember we made an arrangement when you went away. Now you're making me mad. Remember despite our estrangement, I'm your man. You'll be back. Soon you'll see, you'll remember you belong to me. You, you'll be back, time will tell, you'll remember that I served you well. Oceans rise, empires fall, we have seen each other through it all. And when push comes to shove, I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. Da 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 I mean, um, I thought he was going to send the battalion to remind him of their love. You well, know? Like, that's what he was like, going to do, yeah. Here, let me hug you with uh, and uh, with my gun out in front. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> with his musket out in front. Yeah, he was not happy that they were trying to get their independence. Um, and so, you know, basically the sentiment of the song is pretty close to what he felt. So the king at the time was George, King George III. Mm-hmm. Right, who actually in history, for the most part, goes down as a pretty decent king. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely talk about him more. Oh, for on sure. On a later like episode, because I would like to do an episode about him, because he's actually known as the Mad King George. Mm-hmm. Because later on in life he goes mad, and um, yeah. So that's there's a part in the song where he says like, "You sang it right," where he'll send a fully armed battalion. No, oh. where he like. He's getting mad. Yeah, now you're making me mad. Yeah, yeah, and stuff. And it's like a hint, kind of, to the fact that later on he get, he goes mad. Yeah. Right. And stuff. But the actor who played King George III, um, in the... Now, all the actors we're talking about are the actors that appear in the Disney Plus um, filming 
of the play because that was, and they were all the original cast, but the actor who was in that was Jonathan Groff, um, and he plays King George III, and King George III, even though he's got, like, these very small parts in the play, are some of my favorite. Yeah. They crack me up every time. Um, and the actor who does it, he does a phenomenal job, so... Jonathan Groff is definitely trained. He's been in other plays. He was on Glee. Yeah. But he also has, like, a serious side to himself because he's actually one of the main characters in Mindhunter. Yeah, so I didn't know he was in Glee, so I didn't know he had the musical chops. Yeah. And, of course, since I've only seen him in Mindhunters where he's usually wearing a suit and everything and, you know, he's playing this, like, book nerd, uh, bookworm type kind of nerd in yeah, you Mindhunters, almost... I didn't recognize him in uh, the King's outfit. No, no, you didn't. And that was great to see the look on your face when I was like, hey, it's Mindhunter's guy. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's like the whole, it, it's one of the great things about uh, some actors. Is like some actors are known for their faces. Like, you know, you see some actors and you're like, okay, I know uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jason Statham, Scarlett Johansson. Like, no matter how they change kind of thing, you know that's them. Yeah. But this uh, Jonathan Groff guy, he took on such a different persona between, like, you can still tell, like, it's still him, but the makeup and everything, the personality, the way he walked and presented himself, it was yeah. like, that, that can't be him. Henry Ford's, like, this dweeby little nerd who gets, like, you know, he thinks he's, you know, all that in a bag of potato chips. Holden Ford. Or, oh, right, Holden Ford. Sorry, not Jonathan Ford. Jonathan's his real name. No, you said Henry Ford. Oh, Henry Ford. No, that's 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 a different guy as well. That's a different guy. There's a lot well. of history in this head, and sometimes it gets muddled up. I'm sorry, no guys. No problem, guy. Perfection is definitely not something I am good at. So <laughs> I'm going to make mistakes, and that's why I try to bring humor to it because I do goof up. We all goof up sometimes. Yeah, but if you don't laugh at it, then it's just <laughs> going to make. Uh, I think it makes the days and the horrible moments a little more eh, depressing than uh, ah, I can learn from this versus. Uh, that yeah, I'm never gonna do that again. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, one thing we should warn you guys when you watch it is that when Jonathan Groff is performing, he's been known as a spitter. Yeah. <laughs> so don't be surprised when he's singing and you see like copious amounts of spit sometimes come out of his mouth. It he, is. He is trying to enunciate. He's trying to hit. The high notes. The high notes. He's trying to hit the back of the stage. Which, I mean, they do have mics, like, in their hair. Yeah. If you notice something weird in their hair, kind of right at the front. Yeah. Some people have them on, like, uh, like on their shirts or something. Like no. How... Not really. In the no. theater, they always put them in the hair. Well, I'm saying, like, I did see a few. It wasn't very common, but you did, like, Oh, I guess, few... yeah. Like, Christopher Jackson, who played George Washington, he was bald. Yeah, but so... the girl who plays um, Eliza Schuyler... She, or no, was it Angelica Schuyler? You thought there was something weird in her hair. That was her mic. Yeah, that was her mic. Um, so, yeah. Um, just keep that in mind when you watch it. He also really played it up because that was one of the symptoms of when King George went mad. Was that he was like foaming at the mouth and stuff like that. So, it's not like that bad, but definitely just keep that in mind when you're watching it because it definitely looks gross and at first we were like what the heck 
right? And then we did some research, and we were like, ah, that makes sense, right? Yeah, there was an actual, like, this is where I'm saying, like, the historical accuracy on this play, not 100%, but given how accurate it is, mm-hmm. it is very good. And, yeah, the a lot of the cast uh, characters and everything, they definitely took their roles very seriously. Like, even though, uh, personally, one of my favorite actors in this thing was Christopher Jackson, who plays George Washington. Yeah, he was great. Uh, you know, it was like the whole, like, he didn't look anything like any portraits or pictures I've ever seen of George, uh, George Washington. None of them did. No, but he had this confidence about himself, but, like, at the same time was showing this desperation of trying to fight the British Empire, and mm-hmm. it was like, you, you, and especially when they were even trying to make their own Congress and everything, and they were trying to get everything going... Like, you could see that even as strong as, like, this George Washington was and portrayed by Christopher Jackson. Yeah. As hard as this all was, it was like he still had that strength, but it wasn't that he could just carry everyone and everything. He needed help, which brings in Aaron Burr, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, the other founding fathers, Yeah, everyone, right? everyone else. And, like, you know, uh, they even say in the part there when, what was his name, uh, that came back from France... I'm drawing a blank here for a second. Jefferson? Yeah, Thomas Jefferson. When he gets back from France, because uh, apparently he missed the war. Yeah, he was in France trying to get the French to help in the revolution, which he did. I mean, and they even joke around saying that while he was helping getting the French to help them fight in the war, he might have been doing a little partying with the ladies. Uh, anyway, yeah, sorry, that's <laughs> that's a joke that uh, Michelle got instantly, but if you see the musical, you know... It's a little bit funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I definitely really liked uh, Christopher Jackson as George Washington. He also did the voice of like Moana's dad in the movie, so that's also another little interesting fact. But yeah, he did a really good job, I think, of portraying like <coughs> somebody who wasn't perfect at their role. He wasn't even that great as his role. As a general, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to knock him, but I just know that, like, he didn't have a lot of wins under his belt. No, he, and then, like, he even said in the play, or the musical, how... They were, like, running away, right? They were retreating. And even before, even this war, he thought that he would uh, achieve greatness in battle and, you know, become, like, the stuff of legend and stuff, and then, uh, yeah, reality hit, you know, gave him a slap in the face, and, you know... That's when he realized, like, oh, I need help mm-hmm. and stuff, right? But, and I mean, he did become a man of a legend, for sure. And, I mean, they won the war, so he did stuff right, yeah. for sure. We're not trying to, like, detract from what he did, but we just know that there were also quite a few losses. And, mm-hmm. like, he really, at least in the play, he really takes on, like, when people die yeah, and stuff. Like, he de- definitely is obviously not happy about that. But I definitely think someone we absolutely need to give time to is Leslie Odom Jr. He played Aaron Burr. Yes. Uh, He was quite the important character, and they did a lot of foreshadowing with a lot of things that that character did with uh, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. I almost feel like he was the... um, Not... Uh, I want to say, like, painfully obvious. Like, he wasn't an antagonist, but he definitely was somebody who kind of had a very strong difference of opinions with Hamilton, but was on the same side. 
if that kind of makes sense. Like, yeah, he was weird because he didn't really, like, there is a song in the play. Well, there's a lot, but... <laughs> ha. Uh, true. A musical. A, a musical. Songs. Holy Go cow. figure. But in one of the songs, he talks about, essentially... Not wanting to fight? Not not wanting to fight, but you don't... So, Alexander Hamilton is very outspoken. Aaron Burr was very reserved. Right. Yes. And this can actually be seen throughout the play, because... And this is something I learned afterwards that I thought was really cool, and when I've gone back and watched it, I've noticed it. So, Alexander Hamilton moves around the stage... Quite a lot. Quite a lot, and he moves in all sorts of different directions. Yeah, Lynn uh, definitely had quite the cardio workout doing that. <laughs> um, Aaron Burr's character, although he does move around the stage... It's a walking pace. No. He moves a little bit quicker sometimes, but he moves in a straight line only. Yeah. So he'll move, like, left to right diagonally, right, or whatever, like, front to back, side to side... But he always moves in a straight line, right? But then as things start to, to change in the play, like, you see him start to move more sporadically, yeah. right? And stuff, as he's kind of opening up his thinking and whatever and stuff. And that was the whole thing behind it, is that Alexander Hamilton could, like, <laughs> think outside of the box, right? And whatever, and was a very free-thinking and, like, you know, speak his mind and whatever. So he was very, like, flowy, on the stage, right, and would move in any direction he needed to, whatever, right? Where Aaron Burr was so closed off in his thinking and whatever that it was very, like, straight laced, straight line. And that's that was done on purpose by the choreographers yeah. of the play. Or choreographer, I should say. So, but I want to give Leslie Odom Jr. props because he has some of, I mean, they're all great numbers. I don't yeah. think there's a song in that play I don't like. Yeah. But he has some of the greatest songs. Mm-hmm. Right? He's got my personal favorite song, which is Wait For It. Yeah. Um, I love that line in there, which, uh, like, we won't sing or anything, but the whole, um, love, uh, he says that both love and death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. Yeah. Which I thought that was, like, that is clever writing, but the way he says it... It's kind of heartbreaking and like incur like it's a little encouraging and stuff like yeah it's, it's just, a little you can bit feel, of both you can feel the emotion like of how yeah. he's just like he's looking at things like you know um, these things in life just it doesn't matter if it's one or the other like it, it, it's like there's some things that just are indiscriminate yeah and of course love death you know those are two very strong things that are very indiscriminate yeah absolutely um also he's got. Room Where It Happened, and that is a really good, fun-paced, like, high-energy song. That's, yeah, my favorite one. I love that whole, the room where it happened, the room where it happened, I want to be in the room where it happened. Yeah. Yeah, just there, like, he definitely carried this kind of, like, he's just, it, it almost feels like he, a lot of people could relate to this, like, he's just out, like, everything yes. that he wants is just outside of his grasp. He's reaching for it. And he just can't quite get there yet. And, and so, of course, like, he's waiting for it, but... Yeah, and part of the problem, too, is as time went on, and this is very true, as time went on, as everything that he wanted was just out of his grasp, he felt it was just out of his grasp because of Alexander Hamilton. 
Right. Yeah, because like you were saying, um, Aaron Burr was always straight laced, you know, think inside the box, you know, uh, be reserved and stuff. And then seeing Hamilton, who's exerting all this energy, running all over the place, dancing all over, and he's getting, like, it's kind of the whole... He becomes George Washington's right-hand man, right? He, he becomes tre uh, Secretary of the Treasury mm. and stuff. Like, he gets all this power and everything. Like It's like, how are you, like, you know, it's like nowadays people would be like, are, are you smoking crack or something? Like, how do you have this much energy yeah. and you're not sleeping? Well, yeah, and another good point is, like... There's a song in there where Aaron Burr sings, like, why do you write like you're running out of time? Yeah. Write day and night like you're writing, running out of time. Like, Alexander Hamilton was just go, go, go. He wrote so many things in his lifetime. Yeah. Right. And stuff that it's absolutely, like, crazy, some of the stuff he wrote, right? And so, yeah. Um, but what I was going to say about that song a little bit earlier was one of the things that Aaron Burr says in the song is, like, essentially... Talk less. What? Smile more. Huh. Um, don't let them know what you're against or what you're for. You can't be serious. Hmm. You want to get ahead? Yes. Those who run their mouths off wind up dead. Yeah. So he was, like, very afraid. That was a quote from the song, sorry. Um, but he was very, very, very afraid of actually letting people know where he stood. Yeah. And there was a good part later on that we won't spoil, but there's a part where Aaron's Burr indecisiveness and uh, people being like, oh, are you for or against this? And yeah, it's just like a lot of people were like, well, we don't know what Aaron Burr's really against or for because he's, you know, he just plays this kind of like, you know, I, I haven't committed to one side or the other. I haven't. He, made my intentions known. Yeah, like he wants which to kind wait of for it. Bites him in the ass. Yeah, he wants to wait for it, and he wants to see. Okay, like he he kind of hedges his bets. Like, oh, which side is going to be more uh, advantageous? Yeah, and stuff. Um, where like Hamilton knows where he stands. He knows what he wants, right? And stuff like he he knows what he stands for, so he knows what he would fall for. You know that kind of thing. So, yeah, that was really interesting. Now, I think we need to pay the ladies of the play. Yes. Some time, because they are amazing. So, let's uh, talk about three of the ladies that we uh, actually quite in, uh, enjoyed a lot of. There's nothing rich folks love more than going downtown and slumming it with the poor. They pull up in their carriages and gawk at the students in the common just to watch them talk. Take Philip Schuyler, the man is loaded. Uh-oh, but little does he know that his daughters Peggy, Angelica, Eliza sneak into the city just to watch all the guys at work, work. Angelica. Eliza. And Peggy. Yes, those are the sisters. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, I know some people might be thinking, wait, wait, and Peggy? Because... Yeah. Peggy, although she is one of the Schuyler sisters, she actually is not a very historically important character, and of course, we're not going to go into much detail beyond that, but she's not one of the characters that's too much longer referenced. Yeah, she's not in the play for very long. Um, she's actually uh, played by a person who does uh, multiple roles. Yeah, that was uh, 
Jasmine, who did Peggy and did Mariah. Yep. Yep. And stuff. So, um, Angelica is played by, uh, Renee... Zellbaker? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Different person. <laughs> Renee Elise uh, Goldsberry. And she does a phenomenal job. I love her voice. She's got some very interesting songs in the play. Um, and she's like the oldest Skylar sister. Now, one thing that's a little historically inaccurate is when uh, Alexander Hamilton is kind of meeting them and whatever. Um, in the play, she's not married. But in real life, she was already married. Mm -hmm. She was already married to a rich man. Like, she was good, right? And they come from a very pretty, like, rich background, right? Yeah. Um, and then you've got Eliza, who I believe his real name is actually, like, Elizabeth. But, like, Eliza is part of Elizabeth, and so that's what they called her. Um, and she is the one who actually ends up marrying Hamilton. Uh, spoiler. <laughs> well. Again, this is all historical facts, Yeah, like, so. if you know who Alexander Hamilton is from learning about history, you probably know his wife was Elizabeth or Eliza. And then, yeah, you've got the youngest sister, Peggy, who, again, doesn't have much airtime in the play or anything, but... That's kind of more... Because, like, the play is more around Alexander Hamilton, obviously. Yeah. So, of course, because she didn't uh, have a very important influence in his life, she's just kind of a... You know, she's worth mentioning, but she's not... Um, I those, mean... Yeah, she's not a main character that... Uh, in his life, right? So... so incorporating her more would kind of be like taking away from others and that old saying less is more yeah so yeah so they and the actress who plays uh, Eliza is Philippa Sue and man can she she kills it in this play oh yeah she like all three of the ladies do right like they <clears throat> just kill it Absolutely. And again, like, they have great songs, and the emotion that they're able to bring to the show and bring to their parts is fabulous. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, because during the war, uh, Hamilton ends up getting kind of sent home for, uh, briefly and finds out that he has a kid on the way. Yeah, after he had married Eliza, obviously. Yeah, after. And, um... There was a part there where I think she was talking about the whole uh, that would be enough or something. Like, what's the name of the song? Um, I think it's that would be enough. Yeah. yeah, that's, you're right, and stuff. And the thing I love about this play is there's obviously, like, so Lynn decided to go out of, like, race lines, right? So, I mean, you've got African Americans in the play and white people in the play. Like, you've just got a whole assortment of characters in the play, right? And that's super neat. But this play also brings a whole range of emotions mm -hmm. from laughter. Like, their um, cabinet meetings are literally rap battles, which is... Yeah, because if anyone's ever heard of... Uh, the, or ever seen that... What was that thing? Um, I rap think battle. It, yeah, but it was on MTV, I think it was, or something. But anyways, uh, yeah, if you, like, you look up YouTube, you can find a lot of uh, celebrities that do rap battles and stuff. Like, there's one with the kid from Stranger Things. I think it was Jimmy Things. Fallon. Uh, he started, started it off, but him. then uh, they actually kind of continued off with it being its own thing. And, yeah. 
Um, I remember like one of my favorite ones was actually Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes rap yeah. battle. And yeah, you know, like they kind of throw shade and rap at each other and stuff. And so, of course, you know, much like in uh, politics, how someone brings their point, another person brings up kind of their point, and they kind of yeah. dispute who's right or who's wrong, what's the best thing to do. You know, a rap battle is most suiting for that. Mm-hmm. So, and those are pretty funny. And again, like I said, King George always has me in stitches. But there are some huge, huge, huge sad moments in this play as well. Oh, yeah, because, uh, I mean, you know, whose life has never had a tragedy? Mm-hmm. So, it's very interesting to watch them just, uh, yeah, just go through the gambit of emotions. It's, a uh... Yeah, the whole arc of this thing is quite the roller coaster because there's some good high notes, there's some low notes, and, um, you know, there's a lot of things where it's, because I wasn't too familiar with Alexander Hamilton's history, there was uh, a few shocking moments. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, you kind of know who was going to win the, uh, you know, uh, the American Revolutionary War. Um, so, yeah. of course, like, there's uh, even a YouTuber that I like to watch where he kind of jokes about, uh, it's like, well, I mean, you know, maybe some people will uh, have to watch the musical to find out if that upstarting country, uh, you know, <laughs> defeats the, over uh, the overpowering uh, global superpower of uh, England. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I'm pretty sure that's very common knowledge on the history part. But then there's a lot of nuances and subtleties and... Yeah, like the part about uh, Hamilton and Angelica. Like, people are speculating that uh, were they in a romantic relationship? Was it uh, a brother-sister type relationship? I personally think that uh, they were both, like, because obviously she was a smart sister and Hamilton had, you know, was like, well, if I want to get ahead, I got to be smart kind of thing and I got to be hungry. And, of course, she probably respected that and, like, enjoyed talking with him. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some people that I know that when I get a chance to talk with them about uh, many things in life, that the hunger, humility, the knowledge, you know, it's like there's just something about, you know, even if they're not overly charismatic, like mm -hmm. Hamilton wasn't too... Because like, sometimes they may portray him as, like, very charismatic and was like, oh, I could have any of the sisters that I wanted kind of thing. And I was like, no, no, he wasn't much of a playboy, but just being kind, charming, or kind, smart, ambitious, I mean, that can just make people want to be around you because they, you know, see the passion and the drive you have, and that, you know. Yeah. No, definitely, for sure. Um... So I guess basically pursue your dreams and everything, and uh, don't be too afraid to, you know, go for gold. Absolutely. You never know what uh, where you'll uh, what you'll do if you try. Could end up in the history books. Exactly. Even if you don't become president or prime minister or something. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And one of the things I forgot to add was one of the other reasons why King George III was so pissed about this Revolutionary War is he wasn't just fighting his little like the colonies, right? Because they had sent Jefferson over and had Lafayette and they had the French forces behind him. Yeah. He was pissed because it wasn't just a war between them. It became a war where he was not just fighting the colonies, but also the French and the Spanish. And so that's another reason why he was super pissed about it. Yeah, because so, of course, like, it's just everybody, he, he, he kind of feels like a victim there. Like, 
oh man, like everybody's against me. I was like, well, I mean, you are the top dog. You are the world superpower. So of course, people who want to be free from you or want your power, of course, are going to fight you. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those, uh, you know, uh, getting to the top and everything. Like, you know, you're kind of always fighting to maintain the top position. Yeah. Especially when it comes to global domination like that. Oh, no, definitely. And one of the things I thought was neat, too, is that it actually came with George Washington, that a president would only run for two terms. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Because that was, like, the very first president was, you know, he's kind of like, you know, I could keep running for a lot longer and everything, but the people need to be able to realize that I'm not going to be a monarch. I'm not going to be a dictator. It's like, I was elected by the people, but... The people are what makes this country, and they need a new leader to step in and, you know, like, obviously make decisions kind of thing. Yeah, make the decisions that will benefit the people better. And he could have stayed in, but he wanted to teach them that, like, with a democracy comes the ability to have, like, yeah, you have two terms, right? And so you vote in your president for the first term. And then for the second term, you can either reelect that president or you can bring in a new one. But he... They don't serve longer than eight years because otherwise it starts feeling like a monarchy, right? And that's not what they wanted. They wanted something different. And so I think that's something really um, neat and definitely... um, Something to to commend because, like, all the power he had over, you know, the The colonies and the colonies kind of thing, um, that he was able to look at it and go... Uh, okay, I've gotten you this far, you can keep going the rest of the way. Yeah. And even though it's a little bit different here in Canada, like, we don't really have a limit on terms and stuff like that. Yeah. But if we, you know, start getting uh, disappointed or unsatisfied with the job of our Prime Minister, we're like, okay, buddy, get out. Yeah, we have elections every four years as well, right? We do, yeah, but there's no limit. So it's like, if we like the guy kind of thing and we want him to stay... He keeps staying. He keeps running things well. Versus, it, like if you know, this this is one of those kind of things where it's like, yeah, having a four uh, two term limit is a good thing in some ways. Um, but I think Canada's also kind of benefited from the fact that if we get a good leader, why get rid of a good thing? Yeah. Well, and we're also like we're still part considered part of the Commonwealth of England, right? Yes. Where the U.S. is not. They are completely independent, hence the Revolutionary War. But I think our Prime Minister is very much, like, modeled after theirs, right? And I believe theirs, like, look at Winston Churchill. He was Prime Minister, and then he wasn't, but then he was again, right? And stuff. So I think he ended up serving, like, three or four terms as Prime Minister over in the U.K., right? Yes. So, yeah, that just goes to show, I mean you know, that the difference is in them. But I thought it was really commendable that that's something George Washington had put in place when he was president, is that it wasn't going to be this long-term thing. It was going to be at most eight years. And then it would have to move on to a different person because they didn't want a monarchy and they didn't want, like you said, you know, to be oppressed. Like, especially if you got, like, a really bad leader in there. You don't want that person in there for another four years, right? The downside is if you get a really good leader in there, you don't get to have them for, like, 12 or 16 years, right? Like, you get eight years with them. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's pros and cons to everything with that. And, yeah. 
Uh, actually, speaking of like the Winston Churchill thing, I think that would be another cool historical figure to talk about. Because, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like he had uh, like a lot of stuff hit him, and uh, you know. Yep. Uh, I remember some jokes about his leadership and stuff, but yeah, there's uh, history is one of those things that I definitely think that people need to learn from, or else we're doomed to repeat it. Yeah, and I am unfortunately one of those huge. Well, I don't know if it's unfortunately, but I'm definitely one of those huge history nerds, so... So you're not likely to, you know, want to repeat mistakes of the past? No, well, not only that, I was just thinking there will be quite a few episodes. Not, not like, all of them, but, you know, spattered through there, there will be some history, you know, like, and stuff, because I think that's... Those are the fun ones to do. No, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, they're all fun to do, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like there's uh, there's some historical figures that have definitely had some interesting uh, developments and choices that they made, and you know, of course, we'll try to make sure that this is enjoyable and funny, and mm -hmm. you know, just something that hopefully our fans all enjoy, and we don't uh, just make it kind of feel like a documentary type thing where we actually make it feel more of like uh, it's a cool little like, hey, this is a fun little fact, like this isn't everything you need to know this is just the highlights the low spots the the good you take the good with the bad and yeah. you know that's that's life right yeah no exactly and stuff so we wanted to thank you guys for listening and for the support that we get we absolutely adore you guys you guys are fantastic so thank you so much for listening and just remember everybody no matter what your thing is or what you're into at the end of the day we're all just a little nerdy <laughs>